0: Hello and welcome to the White House Advisor with me Harry Whitehouse and today we're going to be talking about the long, long, long awaited new instalment of the James Bond series No Time to Die and ultimately uh, Daniel Craig's legacy now that he has finished playing 007. So it's finally here and uh, it's been a couple of days since I saw it, I've let it stew within me before I wanted to talk about it No Time to Die. Went to go and see it on a, uh, a quiet afternoon, on a opening day. Didn't have anything going on in the afternoon, so I went down to the cinema. Filled with pensioners as the youngest person in there, but it was a it was a surreal experience. I've been back to the cinema since they've reopened, obviously, but um, not for something that's been such an event. It was filled, it was really good to see, and it was nice to be back in that, that situation. Like I spoke last time I was on about being back at the football, the cinema isn't quite the same magnitude for me, but it was still really important, and it was... It was kind of disbelief and uh, that we were back there and this thing that had been dangled over us in no time to die since the very start of the pandemic was uh, finally here. So then, let's uh, talk about the film itself. Uh, like I said, I've let it stew for a couple of days because I came out thinking that was my second favourite Craig film, Daniel Craig film. And I think, and I still think this, that it was his best performance. But after having some recollection, I think I would put it third now. We'll get into a full rankings later with the Daniel Craig films. But um, it was good. It was solid. I think there were some issues with it. I mean, the opening kind of assumes that, you know, you have this firm knowledge of the last film, Spectre, that's still in your head. I mean, I'm a James Bond fan, but I'm not a fanatic. I'll go and see the films in cinema. I won't rewatch them. I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of them. I still haven't seen all of them, to be honest. But uh, the way the film picks up, it almost immediately after the end of Spectre, and it kind of assumes that, you know, it's been six years since Spectre came out of cinemas and it kind of assumes that you have this perfect knowledge of it, and ultimately it isn't hard to get into it. We all know what James Bond is. We can all have some kind of vague memory of what happened in that film, so it's not too bad, but it is a bit jarring of a pickup. Well, I actually should say that the actual opening scene of the film, the very first scene, I mean, it's electrifying. it's an opening, and it has, well, James Bond doesn't even feature in it the first ten minutes. It's a scene setter, and it's in this kind of... Uh, like Scandinavian like you'd seen these murder investigations set in I know I'm going to spoilers but it's an incredible way of setting the story and establishing the villain and uh, a bit of origin for a character we don't know that much about and to be honest Spectre introduced to be very important in Madeline Swan who's this figure that James Bond is going to settle with but you never really, I didn't, well I didn't really buy into it at the time you know, why is this the woman that he chose? Um Why does she love him? How does she feel about things? Why is she the way that she is? And you you couldn't really get invested because, I mean, honestly, Spectre just wasn't a good film. It's... Just what it is. It wasn't good, and I think the first ten minutes does a really good job of allowing you to really get into that character, and uh, and that's a big credit to director Kerry Fukunaga and uh, there's the screenwriters of the film, and I think this would be an interesting time to talk about Fukunaga as a director and what he meant as a choice. This is a guy who's come off some prestige TV. You know, he is he, he helmed arguably the most celebrated TV series of the two thousand and tens in uh, in True Detective did a lot of tremendous work on that. But also, you know, it hasn't been great last couple of years. He's lost a little bit of his steam. Maniac on Netflix with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill was supposed to be this huge hit. Didn't really turn out in any way. No popularity, not that much critical acclaim. So this was a great opportunity for him as a stylistic director and as the first American to actually take on James Bond as a director. I think it was a really interesting choice and it was the right one, personally. I think he's, hes like I said, made a good film. Not quite Casino Royale or Skyfall, but it's a good film. And with everything that's happened and the anticipation over this film, I'm just glad that it's good. not It's not tremendous. It's not amazing. But I'm so glad that it is very much watchable. But ultimately... As much as I liked the film and rated it and was grateful to have it, it isn't without its faults. As with all James Bond films, the motives of the villain are kind of a little bit confusing and unclear and what do they really want. But I suppose with Bond you take that as it is. You take it with a pinch of salt, you just got to take it as you see it because... Ultimately, what are their motives? What do they want? You kind of just have to accept that these are people who James Bond has to stop. Also on the villains, I don't like the Rami Malek choice. I just don't. I think there's an echelon that's been established in the Craig era for Bond villains. You have, for core ones, you have Vigo Mortensen, you have Javier Bardem, you have Christoph Waltz. They are a different echelon of actor. We are talking about some of the best actors on Earth. I think probably... Three of the best 20 male actors. Rami Malek, massively popular. Coming off, playing on Freddie Mercury. Winning an Oscar, which he shouldn't have, but we'll let it go. He just... it's just not the same as those guys. It's just not the same. Christoph Waltz does make a cameo. Very grateful to have that. Spectre was beneath him as an actor. I think this is at his level. I think this is a big box office film that's worthy of Christoph Waltz, rather than Spectre, which wasn't, as a villain, wasted him. But, like I said, I'm not going to go into spoilers or anything else, but the films, Crescendo kind of loses pace from the start, kind of gets a little bit more wayward, but ultimately the climax is, I think, sublime. It upset a lot of people, confused a lot of people, but I liked it. And ultimately, that's what matters to me. But, obviously, subjects different opinions. But my biggest gripe with the film was Malek. I just don't think he's that. I don't think he's that villain. And, ultimately, you know, I am a student in student accommodation, not a Hollywood producer, but I don't see him as that kind of actor. You know, Daniel Craig is the only James Bond I've ever known as a 20-year-old. There's been other James Bond films that are out with different actors whilst I was alive with Piers Brosnan, but... Whilst I've been, you know, sentient and conscious, you know, Daniel Craig has been James Bond. And I know at the start there were a lot of doubts about how he fitted the way Bond had been characterised on film, the tall, dark hair, dark eyes, handsome, well, I mean, Daniel Craig, not saying he isn't, but, you know, that kind of archetype of uh, actor. But that's never been a problem for me, but obviously I speak from a very unique position. I mean I remember being 7 years old and being told that we were going to casino royale and I was absolutely fuming because I had no real interest and I didn't really by the end of it either really it took until skyfall for me to really get into it but I think daniel craig I think he's arguably the best bond ever he's the longest serving in terms of time obviously we've had bigger gaps in between the films um you know 4 years between spect- uh 3 years between uh, skyfall and specter 4 years between uh, getting forgetting the names now, Quantum of the Solace and Skyfall, and obviously the long gap here due to COVID. But uh, it's it's a remarkable achievement. I have him second behind Connery personally. I would still stick Connery as number one. But as, uh, you know, James Bond is Daniel Craig, and Daniel Craig is James Bond to me, which I think is interesting considering the criticism that the casting got when it was uh, first announced back so long ago now. I mean, it's almost 20 years. It's crazy. So, let's do a ranking of the James Bond, Daniel Craig films. I think in last place, I think it's between two films, and they're definitely the bottom two. I don't really see how you could have any other opinion otherwise, to be honest. And they are, I would have Quantum of the Solace, bottom... I think it's just very plain, and very boring. And then second to bottom I would have Spectre, which was such a disappointment. I mean, I was buzzing off Skyfall. Skyfall's probably one of my favorite 100 ever films in, t- in you know, including everything. So to come off Skyfall and have Spectre, you know, the the cast, you know, you've got Christoph Waltz in and you waste him on this convoluted story that doesn't really make all that much sense. That was really disappointing. I think Now we're into the top three. I think this is where it gets interesting. When I walked out of the cinema, I had No Time to Die as number two, above Casino Royale. But that was a bit of recency bias, I think. Now I've had a bit of time to digest it a little bit. I think I will put No Time to Die at three. I'm kind of forgetting how good Casino Royale was because I haven't watched it for such a long time and I've watched it since. But I'd have No Time to Die at three. And I think Casino Royale, I think probably deserves more credit than i'm giving it based on the fact that you know it revitalized bond it brought in daniel craig and you know within the first five minutes in those black and white shots you know you're bought in there's no other way around it and the way it revitalized the series and then number one i think the best made film you know sam Mendes' masterclass i think that's skyfall and i don't think it's close and i think that's i mean it's a solid bunch of films isn't it and Daniel Craig hasn't been able to do that much outside of Bond the last 15 years because of his commitments to the series and, let's face it, the, the amount of money that he's been making off it. But hopefully now we see him explore some other things like we have done in things like uh, Knives Out, which he was tremendous in. But I think as we say goodbye to Daniel Craig and hopefully hello soon to a new Bond, I think it's interesting to look at James Bond as a case study in the modern film landscape of intellectual properties and... Cinematic universes. This was arguably cinema's first great franchise, James Bond. And today, when we have these big, huge series properties, like I said, where they're all based off some kind of prior audience knowledge, so MCU's huge because they have, because audiences already have a familiarity with comic books and what have you already. And so on. Star Wars, we already have this whole history. And this whole canon and uh, books and books and comic books and TV series and podcasts and whatever else that explains it. But James Bond's kind of strange in this way that ultimately it isn't about a superhero who travels planets and galaxies or whatever else or has you know superhuman abilities. This is ultimately a spy, and I think when you compare that why today would that be so popular? A British spy who's a womanizer, who loves alcohol, who's ultimately very good at killing and doing his job, but how does that compare? And I think it's interesting as we go forward how the financial future of James Bond will look. It won't have the same kind of resonance, I don't think, with younger audience that it does, that it, with the current older audiences, the mature audiences, because they have the familiarity of Sean Connery Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, all these things, and which was passed down by their parents, but I don't think this generation will pass, pass down James Bond in the same way. I might be wrong, but I think it's interesting to see, regardless of who the next Bond is, something I don't really want to speculate about because I have no real strong opinion of, because you know, ultimately, as I've mentioned, Daniel Craig is ultimately the, ante- uh, the antithesis of what people stereotype James Bond as. I think it's just interesting how it the new bond will shape in ultimately a new cinematic landscape. And I think that's where we're going to leave it today. So thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see what the future holds for 007.